You are now tuning in to the Own the Build podcast. Join Sealing's very own Paul Hemming, where each week he interviews experts from the world of construction and asks all the important questions around intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of the Own the Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming. We are continuing our free download giveaway for the owner builders that we know and we love and attached to the podcast description or better linked, not attached, uh, two documents. So this this time around, we're giving away a pre-qualification questionnaire for subcontractors and a project execution plan template. Thanks to everyone again for reaching out and saying that you're enjoying the templates. Feel free to give me a shout and suggest some others. We are here to help. In the studio today, though, let's get on to the show. Let's get introduced. My guest is smiling from ear to ear. We have got Richard Brackstone. Richard is a QS turned consultant whose unique consultancy has an innovative approach providing specialist executive level support to construction companies with a real focus on commercial best practice and risk management. We're going to get onto all of those things shortly. Before we do, welcome to the show, Richard. How are you doing? Hi, Paul. I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah. You uh, you, I, you seem happy. Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, and I'm sure the listeners are thrilled at the subjects we're going to talk about. <laughs> we, I mean, trust me. I mean, don't take this the wrong way, listeners. I think the majority of you are as sad as I am when it comes to construction <laughs> and commercial best practice, risk management. That's kind of what we're here to do. We're all here interested in uh, commercially minded things yeah they're vital issues but um not necessarily sexy but they're but they're certainly vital that's for sure you're telling me that provisional sums and undefined and defined provisional sums aren't sexy richard what planet are you yeah on? i am i wrote a paper <laughs> about it but they're not sexy mate <laughs> dear me i can't believe this i personally find them quite quite something so oh well there you go <laughs> we're gonna get into the the meat of the topic if you like and as i said guys it's um, provisional sums before we do that i always like to ask a little bit about you and who you are set the uh, set the the tone if you like for for the conversation so just talk to us about your experience well i fell into construction by pure chance and um i've been in it ever since 40 years now how did you fall into it by a careers officer saying to me uh have you ever thought of being a surveyor really yeah literally and i had not a clue really what she was on about same but, thing for me yeah i had this idea that i thought oh surveyors yeah i think they earn okay um that sounds all right and i said what's that involved and she said well you spend Half your time, yeah, kind of easier. You spend half your time in the office and half your time out on site. And I thought, yeah, that sounds about right because I knew I couldn't be stuck in an office doing an admin job, selling insurance or whatever. No offence to those that do, but I I also knew I couldn't work with my hands. I'm absolutely useless. Um, So I needed something that was kind of a balance between the two and commercial management in construction has has given me that over the years Um, it is really great for that balance isn't it yeah and it was so it was a great call from her but i didn't i didn't know what i was getting into at all she sent me off to see the head of construction at local technical college really he yeah yeah he assumed that i wanted to be a quantity surveyor 
Um, I don't know what he was talking about, but again, it sounded like they might earn all right. And then he <laughs> described them as being a bit like the accountants of the building industry. And I was a child. Did that scare you? Well, no, it, I was a child of kind of late 60s and 70s with loads of sitcoms, you know, based in suburbia, you know, the good life and things where there was accountants, you know, living quite an affluent suburban lifestyle. So I thought, yeah, that sounds all right. I'll have a bit of that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I've, to- I've told this story before, but um, not dissimilar thing happened to me, albeit I was, I came out of school and I was just looking in the local paper for jobs that would put me through like an apprenticeship almost. And I found one for a trainee quantity surveyor. I had no idea what it was. Turned to my best mate and I said, I've got this job interview for trainee quantity surveyor. He's like, oh, you do not want to be doing that, pal. That is, <laughs> that is counting bricks. Literally, you count bricks for the rest of your life. And I was like, really? And then he said, quantity surveyor. And I was like, yeah, it does sound kind of right. But actually, it is. The, the way you've described it there so eloquently is quite true, isn't it? You know, the balance between site and office the ability it's quite a varied job isn't it and it has uh, it gave me a lot as well it's a hugely varied job and of course coming into the industry you don't understand the difference between contractors qs's and pqs's and and all the rest of it uh, so what kind of a qs were you i was contractors qs through yes. and through yes good man yes never never ventured over to the dark side <laughs> yeah but you were on the dark side of the contractors qs in there weren't you no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've seen the game from all perspectives. Uh, I've, I've worked for various main contractors. I've worked on the subcontract side. I've even run my own construction business. So, you know, I've seen the industry from all different perspectives, and it's given me a really balanced, all-round view of the industry. So uh, I'm passionate about trying to improve the industry, but I have a a, a very balanced view of it so you know you get lots of people slagging off main contractors you know and yes there are lots of things wrong with main contractors but there's lots of things wrong with subcontractors as well overall there's lots of things wrong with the industry so i'm just trying to do a bit to try and improve it yeah you i mean so you you've you've obviously gone on journey from like trainee assistant qs commercial manager commercial director you've, you've seen all sides you've been involved at different stages right yeah where you are now, just talk briefly about what it is that you are doing right now. So after 40 years in the game, I decided I wanted to set up my own consultancy business and I wanted to do something positive. I didn't want to just get involved in sorting out disputes and all the rest of it, although quite capable of doing that. And I do love a bit of contractual argument and all the rest of it. But I decided I want to try and do something more positive in the industry. And it it came off the back of a conversation with a a business coach that I was working with who who was talking about to me about what I wanted to do. And and he knew nothing about the industry. So try explaining the industry to someone that's not in it. It's it's never an easy thing for a business coach. You could take that one or two ways to have a business coach who doesn't know about the industry. You could see as a negative, but perhaps you could also see it as a real positive because totally different yeah well he comes he comes at things from a pure business perspective and not uh, you know an industry specific perspective with jaundiced views or biases or whatever and and i i got him involved because you know i hate sales and, and and all the rest of it it's not me at all um love talking to people but i hate the kind of 
sales side of things. So that's why I got him involved to, to help me on that side. But out of the discussions with him, I kind of had this eureka moment thinking about risk management and the fact that companies don't measure their risk management and how good they are at it. And so from that fault process, I then came up with a solution to that problem. But we can come back to that later if you want. Yeah, we um, are going to come after, back to that later. No, yeah, I thought you might. Yeah, yeah. After we've talked about the sexy professional sums. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's really interesting. We've been doing quite a lot um, this year. We've done quite a few really interesting episodes on risk management, and we are going to talk risk management later on because I think you've got a very interesting take on it. Like you said, first let's get a bit saucy, a bit sexy with these professional subs. <laughs> now, don't try and make me seem like the odd individual who wanted to talk about provisional sums. The only reason we're talking about provisional sums, Richard, is because because I you, wrote a paper about you wrote a paper on provisional sums. So first things first. <laughs> Why did you write a paper Why on provisional sums? <laughs> Why are you such an anorak? Yeah, I wrote, I yeah, wrote a that, paper yeah. on... <laughs> right, I'll tell you why I wrote a paper on provisional sums, and you're like this. Because they're a microcosm of what's wrong with the industry. Now, that's not an answer you were expecting, is no, it? No, but I can, I can consider <laughs> where that's going, but I'm interested to hear Okay, why. so, right, provisional sums should be fairly straightforward but they're constantly misunderstood, misused, and abused. And it's that abuse of provisional sums that is the microcosm of the problems in the industry, as far as I'm concerned. And that's what prompted me to write the paper, because people write contracts, write contract documents where they misuse the provisional sums, and deliberately so, not just a question of people misunderstanding them, but far too often I've seen them deliberately misused. And and it just reflects the, the bad elements of the industry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of trying to stitch people up, of trying to make contracts overly onerous, trying to trip people up, you know, without them realising instead of being open and upfront with your contract documents. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. What I would like to ask you, you used three words there to describe... Only three. Your, <laughs> you used three <laughs> words that stood out to me as what you wanted, how we could break this topic down, right? You said misunderstood, misused, yep. and abused, right? So yep. I think that that's, there'll be people listening to yeah, provisional sums, I know what they are. And I reckon I know what they are. But I also know that... I have probably, I don't do this now because I'm not tendering as much personally, but in the past I would have put stuff in contracts where, you know, oh, I haven't got enough time. Let's bang in a provisional sum for that, right? So I'm sure at times I have misunderstood and misused. I'm not sure if I would have abused. Um, no, we'll I'm, sure to, I'm sure you what, wouldn't. But what, what, the way I want to break this down, and I, we'll, we'll go deep into this because why not, um, is first misunderstood. So... How do we make it so that people don't misunderstand provisional sums? Let's talk about what they are. So first, at the very basic level, what are provisional sums? Okay, so provisional sums are a financial allowance included in contracts for an item of work which cannot be fully defined 
at the time the contract is tendered and let. And there Why can can't be, it be defined? Okay, there can be numerous reasons for that. So it can be an absolute true provisional sum in terms of being for a pure contingency. So you literally might have a provisional sum for £100,000 contingency. Or it may be for something that people haven't decided on yet. So they know what they want to have veneered doors, but they haven't chosen what veneer they want to use yet. Or it may be for something that they might have if they've got enough budget left and the job's gone well. Or it might be for something that the client very specifically wants to go and choose himself. There's all sorts of reasons why people use provisional sums. And it could be uh, that they don't want to make design decisions to a later part of the job, perhaps when, you know, space has been opened up or excavations have been done and you know what the existing foundations or whatever are like. So there's loads of reasons why they get used. What I would have used them for in the past would have been so you might I might be procuring I don't know like a five million pound installation only contract for curtain walling, and you know you go into great detail on the ninety five percent of the work, and then you're kind of almost thinking to yourself, oh maybe we could put that in their package, maybe we could put it in their package. I'm not sure. But there's a couple of things I'm going to keep the door open, right? I I would have almost use it as like. Either where we didn't know what we were going to do because the client wasn't yet sure or where we didn't know what we were going to do because we hadn't quite defined our own strategy internally and we had two options, let's say, for this scope and we were kind of, I guess, if we were misunderstanding it, they're maybe misusing it, kind of just like throwing them into both. Yeah, Um, okay, so I think think there's a distinction between where you were at with a you know a specialist cladding company you know employing an installation company to to do part of the work for you i'm more talking about the provisional sums that start at the top of the chain okay from the client okay. side and come down because they're the ones that are defined specifically you know in the rules of measurement but you're right uh, and I've done exactly the same thing myself in the past. You're hedging your bets almost on uh, is is package A going to do this work or is package B going to do it? And we're not quite sure yet. And there can be, again, n- numerous reasons for that. And you don't want to be in a position of letting the work to package A and then trying to take it out and contractually you can't and all the rest of it. So, yeah, you, you're right. Those situations exist. But from the... From the top down, you know, the rules of measurement define the provisional sums and then, you know, they follow down through the procurement chain for, from that point. And it's it's those provisional sums that are defined and get misunderstood and or misused that my paper was more aimed at. Okay, let's 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 talk about that then, because that's that that will make a lot of sense for a lot of our listeners as well, I think. So provisional sum. You've got a provisional sum in your contract. What do you do with it? You don't do anything with it. Um, I thought on day one you <laughs> instructed it, you, you well, omitted it. Uh, ah, so hang on. It depends. So if, if, if you're the contractor and there's a provisional sum in your contract, you don't do anything with it because you can't. Sorry, let, let's clarify this a bit 
we, we need to get a bit technical. Let's assume JCT contract, and let's assume you're the client. The I'm the main contractor. Okay, I'm the client. Oh, I got promoted. Okay, um, so, <laughs> and I did as well. Actually, so I'll take it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We're all moving up in the world. I um, have got this provisional sum. I have to instruct you to do the work. You can't just do it. So, apart from asking for information about the provisional sum, you don't do anything with it. You can't do anything with it. And if you do do anything with it, you're doing it at your risk. So that's absolutely. Is it key. included in my program? Ah, so it depends. There's two types of provisional sums. Just ask the question. <laughs> <I'll tell you. laughs> He's rolling here, guys. He's loving this. Anorak well, I know, alert. I know, he, I know what you're going to ask, and I know what you're trying to go, but you weren't asking me the direct question. There's two types of provisional sums, defined and undefined, and this is where the misunderstanding and the abuse starts. Happens. Okay. Yeah. So the difference is a, a defined provisional sum the contract documents have to include the same level of information as if the PQS was going to measure that piece of work and put it in the bill of quantities. But there may be, as we said, some reason why they can't actually do that yet. You know, the client might want to go, as I've done in the past, out to Austria and select veneers you know, actually look at the logs and choose that log, those slices of veneer for their doors. And they want that specific control. So that, that's a defined provisional sum has to have that level of detail. An undefined provisional sum doesn't. And this is set down in the measurement rules issued by the RICS. And what's absolutely critical is that if you haven't got all the information to make it a defined provisional sum it cannot be a defined provisional sum it has to be an undefined provisional sum now the next question is why is this important and why are we even bothering with it and the reason is a defined provisional sum you have to make allowance within your program for the work and you have to allow within the pricing of your preliminaries for that work so you know you're going to have these doors, you know when they're going to be in a program, you know from experience how long it will take to get veneer and get it made into doors and all the rest of it, so you can allow for it if you've got the right level of detail. And then you need to wrap and protect those doors, you allow for it in the pricing of your prelims or whatever, depends how the prelims are priced, that gets slightly more complicated. But that's the basic gist of it you need the full detail for it to be a defined provisional sum. Now, what happens is that people far too often, far, far too often, state things as being defined provisional sums when they're not. When they're undefined. I reckon I've done that. I reckon I've done that. But can I ask you, can I ask you, just for 100 gazillion percent clarity. Okay. How do I know 100% I've defined a provisional sum? Because NRM 2, section 255, tells you what you have to give. And it's basically, if you, can, if you could measure the piece of work, quantify it, put it in the bill, but so for what, whatever drawings, reason... Drawings in, in detail so and you, spec. Yeah, you, you've got to have all the details, you've got to have the spec and all the rest of it, as you would to measure it. 
but for some reason you, you just it's still uncertain yeah pin it down for some detail that's how you know if you can define it if you haven't got that level of detail the rules are quite clear it cannot be a defined provisional sum so people call them defined provisional sums when they're not defined provisional sums because they want to try and make the contractor responsible for the program and the prelims costs associated and when you get those drafting contract documents i don't want to tar the pqs profession with this brush because but it's yeah. not all of them <laughs> but, but I'm, I, I'm unfortunately i have to because it is them that puts together these documents more often than not when you get them say things like i've seen a contingency and it's a defined provisional sum it simply cannot be okay so i understand that but just perhaps we'll go into that in the second half of the show but just so it is clear We've got that first phrase, misunderstood. For it to be understood, the definition, the importance of that definition is between defined and undefined. Defined is as per NRM, and in simple terms, if it is something that you could measure in detail and put on a bill, it's definable. If it is something far more ambiguous that you can't measure it's undefined and the key difference is that if you put it in as defined if you if i'm the contractor which i am and you've given me a defined provisional sum and i sign the contract that defined provisional sum the management of it is theoretically already in my prelims and the delivery of it is already in my program so if you've defined a provisional sum and i've accepted it i've got to deal with it in my current program and contract sum. i Perhaps, uh, yes, in theory, you're right. Obviously, you then get into a potential contractual argument about the legitimacy of that. And, you know, you could be arguing ultimately in court about whether something actually was or wasn't a defined provisional sum. And so let's talk about the misuse and the abuse, but let's talk about it right after this break. Hello, it's me again. I wanted to share a quick story with you on why I co-founded Sealink with my best mate Chris. Chris and I, we're both QSs, and this is going to sound sad, but one night we were sat in the pub talking about subcontract tendering and we realised the industry had a problem. Number one, procurement was too paper-based. Number two, it was too time-consuming and every QS had their own unique way of doing things. And number three, perhaps most importantly, if you want to competitively tender, you need to know hundreds of the best subcontractors. We simply didn't. That's why we created C-Link. It's software to solve subcontract tendering. We wanted to remove these challenges and help the industry get better. So if you or someone you know tenders with subcontractors, you've got to see our software. Head over to our link www.get.c-link.com forward slash podcast to find out more. I will include it in the description box. So again, there's no excuses. Now, let's get right back to the show. Whew. God, such a sexy topic and <laughs> so much great. to talk about, Richard. You know, I'm, I just had to take a bit of a breather there on, on, on the, on the uh, halftime break. So, provisional sums. We've, under, we've, we've got the misunderstanding, I believe. 
we've got misuse and abuse to talk about now, which probably sounds a bit odd, but that's what we're going to talk about. So let's just exemplify. I would like to talk about that misuse and abuse. You were touching on it before. And then I would like to talk about how you can recognize this and what you can do as a contractor. Yeah. Well, there's classic link here between this and risk management and we'll come on to that but as a contractor if you're pricing a job and you get presented uh, with provisional sums that aren't right and in fact if anyone that's ever worked for me is listening to this they'll be laughing their socks off because why i used to, <laughs> because whenever we were pricing jobs was I'd that be like railing. a rag to a bull was it oh absolutely yeah <laughs> i'd be railing about abuse of provisional sums <laughs> which is what prompted me to write the paper because it's all always wound me up because of this microcosm of people abusing the process so when you get for example someone putting in a provisional sum for a contingency and calling it a defined provisional sum, it cannot be. And that's abusing the system because, well, it's either it's either abuse or it's completely misunderstanding. And you'd like to think that. Why would they do that? that? Well, because they're trying to stitch the contractor up that time and the prelims is down to the contractor. So they're going to try contingency. And, well, why else are they doing it? Why are they describing a contingency as a defined provisional sum when it absolutely cannot be unless it's to try and get a pecuniary advantage of either not granting an extension of time or, you know, not paying... When they or spend hoping, that contingency on yeah, whatever they want to spend it on. Not paying right. for the prelims. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so okay. they, they get a contingency, decide to sell it, and the contractor says oh, we want an extension of time and we want X prelims. And, and they say, oh, no, 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 it's a defined provisional sum, mate. It's down to you. Stop in there, Richard, sorry. So yep. no, the defined on. provisional sum, they've included it in the contract sum. It says defined provisional sum contingency. But I can't measure yep. I can't measure It's abuse. That, I, it's abuse of the system. I can't measure that. It's not, like nowhere according to NRM could I measure it. So how no. can it be defined? Well, it can't. It simply can't. And the rules tell you it can't. So if I took it to court, if I took it to court, I would win. I would say that's not, you're my client, I'm the maker. I'd say that isn't a provisional sum. Yeah, so you can proceed into the job with the provisional sums there and then have a bum fight when it comes to it. But why would you want to do that? And this is where the risk management thing comes in because it, it's far easier at tender stage to go back and say, or certainly pre-signing the contract, these are not defined provisional sums. We're not accepting as defined provisional sums. Rename them. And and the other thing that people have to be cautious of is that if buried in the preambles of prelims somewhere, there's wording that says MRM or NRM2 or for old farts like us, um, SMM7 back in the oh, day. You're throwing me in there with you, are you? Oh, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I did do SMM7, but come there on. There you go, you see. Well, oh, come back, SMM7. SMM3, wasn't it, for you, mate? No, no. <laughs> five, uh, five was kind of around still when I started, but it was six and seven. I've always been at six and sevens, yeah. <laughs> but it's far easier to go back and say you won't accept them as being defined than, than risking you know ending up in the tcc and arguing and get uh, the tce upholding your case that they could never have been yeah i guess the point i'm trying to get to and maybe i'm really making it layman's here and it seems blindingly obvious to you right so i am going to receive 
a tender as a main contractor from you, my client. And within that, in the preambles or wherever, or in the pricing document, it says, define provisional sums, contingency, blah, 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 and blah, blah. What you're saying is that in the contingency example, sticking with it, clearly you would never be able to measure that under NR NRM and therefore it's clearly not defined. And if you went to court, you would win by saying that's not defined. However, I'm the main contractor, you as the client are doing that so that later we can, uh, if I don't pick it up, you can have some commercial leverage and say, I put that as a defined provisional sum, it's included. And I go, well, obviously it's not defined, is it? Because I can't measure it. And you, and you could say, well, let's go to court then. And obviously I'm not going to want to do that. And therefore, this is the misuse or the abuse. This is the misuse and abuse, yeah. Because no competent PQS should you know should not understand the rules of provisional sums and so if they clearly detail them as being defined when they clearly can't be to my mind that's deliberate it can only be deliberate you know we're not talking about the odd typo here somebody forgets the u and the n off the front of it you know we're talking about where you have two or three provisional sums or whatever and they're all listed as defined and they so can't what's be. your process it's, it comes through. It lands on your. Let's let's flip it. I'm now the I'm the PQS. I've sent you the tender. You're the main contractor, and it's got these silly, let's call them, defined provisional sums. What are you going to do? So you you've got various options, and it always depends on the circumstances, the relationships, the nature of the tender, and all the rest of it. But one of the obvious things you can do is raise a tender query, and say, okay, there's these provisional sums here they're listed as defined but clearly they don't meet the criteria for nrm so can you please confirm that they are in fact undefined provisional sums uh, and that puts them right on the spot then because they've either got to answer it in some way they're going to justify they are defined that'd be interesting and um, if not they're going to go yes they are and the problem's resolved but if people don't have the due diligence and risk management to check these things and challenge them at the time, then they potentially... It's that misunderstanding, into, isn't it? They yeah, walk so into think, contracts, yeah. Some people just kind of think, oh, it's provisional, it doesn't matter, you know. That's definitely what later, people you know. think. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, is, yeah. It, the, the clue is in the name, isn't it? You think, oh, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, worry about like, it later. Yeah, it's a bit knows? like what I was saying at the top of the show, where I was saying, you know, 95% is absolute detail, absolute clarity, certainty on absolutely everything. And there's those little bits and pieces like... Throw it in, yep. right? And it's provisional. We'll sort it out, right? But and I think there's another really important aspect to provisional sums, okay? Because we want to really, <laughs> you know, warm up to it. Is when you put JCT again, when you put a provisional sum in a contract, it's part of the contractor's work. So you cannot omit a provisional sum and give it to somebody else just because you feel like it or you're not getting on with a builder so you've got provisional sum for the landscape and you think stuff it i'm not going to give it to this builder i'm not going to get on with i'm going to employ a landscaper direct and i'm going to omit the provisional sum for the landscaping and give it to this landscape subcontractor 
so you could argue that it's a good thing that you put it in if you're the if you're the person buying or the client because you're buying that prelim and buying that program in inverted commas but actually yep. if you then want that flexibility as i was talking about at the top which package should i put it in i'll put it in both right don't all of a yeah, sudden you no. stitched up yeah oh, maybe i was abusing the system i think i was misusing the system come on don't throw me in yeah i think you category. were misusing you weren't abusing you you were misusing but obviously when you get into the subcontract level then then you get into whole, all sorts of other discussions about you know well, what does a provisional sum in this subcontract mean is it defined and all the rest of it. so the arguments just get wider and wider and bigger and bigger but uh you're absolutely right you can't chop and change a provisional sums and that's an absolute mistake that people make all the time and it's one of the things that i wanted to flag up to those in the industry that weren't aware with the paper was to say don't put up with this abuse don't put up with people omitting provisional sums and giving them to somebody else because they can't do it not unless they've am amended the contract to allow them to do that and if they have amended the contract to allow them to do that you should have picked it up as part of your due diligence and risk management in the start and said we're not having that yeah no i think i think um, absolutely right and what i will do is i will link um that paper actually to the podcast description as well so everyone can see it because yeah yeah please um, do I, th yeah. I think we've covered it really nicely you know half an hour on provisional sums and pe people said Aye. it couldn't it couldn't be done i feel like we only just scratched the surface oh Let's... we have we could have gone on longer yeah <laughs> i know you'd like to but i have to rein you no, in no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so i want to talk briefly now about you touched on it at the start of the show, your business. You touched on it at the start of this half as well, how effectively, you know, having a process in place where you receive a tender, you look at, for one thing, you look at provisional sums, undefined, defined, etc. It's a risk management process. Your business now is predicated on improving the risk management of contractors. Talk to me about this. Okay, so, so my business... You can actually go one step further and say it's predicated on helping contractors improve their performance. And one of the key ways we do that is by helping improve their risk management and understand it more uh, and focus on it more. And construction is an inherently risky industry. And is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed? Um, <laughs> it, and if you don't understand that and if you don't like that you're in the wrong game you know because for a start you've got the eternal triangle of time quality and cost so they all come with risk the time risk is obviously if you don't finish in time you're gonna have problems the the cost risks are many and varied the quality risks are also many and varied um, and people don't understand that there are risks like you know, fully understanding the specs and making sure you build what you're supposed to and, and all those kind of issues. And in an industry that's getting increasingly technical all the time with the technology that goes into buildings and, you know, air tightness and all the environmental stuff now, it's, you know, so many days types of, of risk. Yeah. yeah, the days of, you know, you, you got petitions now with deflection heads and all the rest of it and sound bars and God knows what else. You know, it's not just four by two studding and sticks and plasterboard on it now. So you really got to be all over the details. And construction's all about detail. Um, so 
I've gone off track, haven't I? I've wandered no, off into... No, not at all, not at all. I, I, what, I wanted to, <laughs> what I wanted to bring it back to, though, is obviously you can have technical risk, commercial risk, legal risk, finance. There's so many different types of risk category, right? Yeah, HR, let's, all sorts. Exactly. Health and safety. Exactly. There's, Health there's and endless, safety, right? yeah. If we stick with provisional sums, because I know you want to talk about it more, but let's oh, let's let's send let's center the conversation on <laughs> okay. provisional sums, right? Because yes, it probably falls into I don't know either the legal or the commercial risk management category. Um, so your business is about providing structure and data around risk management, as I understand it. Let's well, do that with provisional sums. Yeah, as, so I say it's about it's about helping contractors improve because you know I'm keen to try and improve the industry, and one of the ways the industry can improve is a reducing the abuse um, that we've spoken about, uh, and b improving the, how people go about doing what they do. And risk management in the industry is incredibly mixed, and frankly, it's quite often poor. And so a lot of the problems in the industry are created by people themselves, by not managing their risk properly, not understanding their risk. So how should we do it? So how you should do it is, well, the first thing you do is you get us in to assess how good you are at measuring well, that's, uh, managing that's goes your risk. Saying. You're already in. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, this was where we came from. Talking back earlier, we touched on it with a business coach. It suddenly struck me that companies don't actually have any way of measuring how good they are at managing risk, how risk averse they are. Uh, and so we created this concept, this um, report. We give it an extremely sexy title of construction company risk appraisal. I'm open to better suggestions if somebody's got one. But anyway, Put it into chat GBT. <laughs> yeah, we, we weren't overly worried about the name we were more worried about getting to doing what we wanted to do it's about analyzing how well a business manages risk in its day-to-day -day operations and actually giving people a tangible measure of that so we've we go into businesses and we test them on four key business pillars health safety and environmental corporate governance operational performance and commercial management and we asked them loads of questions about all of these issues that I, like a sad hat, sat down and spent two months writing. And we harvest all this information. We take it away. We pile it into some scoring matrix that I produced. And that actually produces scored results against a whole swathe of so they would say out of 10 you are 7.1 for risk management or this is how risk kind, kind you of are. yeah we we do it we do it on a percentage basis and just to confuse everyone we do it on a reverse scoring matrix so the reason we do that is high score high risk so you kind of like if we came in and did it and you scored 60 percent on something then that's in the high risk category well and truly what are the things that generally stick out there's main contractors listening here today what are the things well, it applies what to main contractors and subcontractors and specialists just let's the call same. it contractors just, generally right yeah what the, are the, the principle things, is common what are the patterns that you see in businesses that have that score of 60 percent plus which you're high risking well it depends it depends what what 
business pillar it is that you know you, you're looking at so um it, it will vary but the the risks are so many you know you try and sit down and think about do this for a little game with yourself later try and sit down and think about every risk you can think of in the construction industry and there's hundreds and thousands that's why it took you know. two months to write that to schedule uh, yes yeah yeah and and uh, quite frankly after two months i just thought that's enough you know you just can't you just you carry on writing and and also we had to temper it so the way we do it is we spend two days with people and we basically kind of have half a day in each one but it's a bit more biased to operational performance and commercial management but we have half a day with whoever's in charge of that section within the business we ask all these questions as i say and that's a two-day process and we get a lot of information out of it so that the scoring and the metrics that come out of it are credible and tangible, but you can only take up so much of executives time. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we kind of limited it to, to the two days and, and however many questions. And the idea is it gives a snapshot across the business, but it gives, it gives a snapshot, which is detailed because of the amount of questions we've asked, but we've tried to make it a fast process to get a lot of info quickly to make it meaningful rather than spending weeks trawling all over a business understood and for people listening you are someone with abundant expertise in all kinds of risk management you're now doing this what would your single piece of advice be richard for people listening with regards to risk management you've got to focus on it you've absolutely if you don't understand that running a construction business and successfully is largely propagated on managing risk and how well you manage risk, then you're unlikely to succeed unless you're very lucky because it is a really technical, really complicated, high-pressure industry that does fabulous things, leaves fabulous legacies, but the only way you're going to be successful in it is managing risk. And then, obviously, someone in the business has got to have some entrepreneurial flair. And you've got to have that commercial best practice and maximize your opportunities when they come along. So that's why we focus on the two things, risk management, commercial best practice, and try to use that to, to improve the performance of businesses. Fantastic. And okay. it's doable. It's doable. You know, it's the same as anything. You need to measure it to be able to better it, to be able to... Ah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so that, that, that is where this came from. It was when Brendan, my business coach, said to me one day, everything that gets measured gets better. And, uh, you know, initially I thought, oh, there's a sound bite, you know. And then I went away and thought about it afterwards. I thought, do you know what? He's absolutely right. And that's where there's a problem with risk management because firms can't measure it. And so they don't understand how good they are at it and how exposed so, they are. So actually, the single point of advice would be to start measuring risk management. Measuring so your risk you can then start management. To improve it. So you can then start to drive continual improvement in it and in your business and that will inevitably drive better outcomes for you and that's that's abs that's what we're about that's exactly what we're trying to sell to people that makes that makes perfect sense and what i will be doing is obviously sharing your details the company's details in the podcast description i will also put in the podcast description the famous famous infamous 
provisional sums paper. Um, <laughs> I, I I think it's been well, it's been an absolute joy to have you on the show. And all jokes aside, with the anorak uh, <laughs> comments, it's it's this is what it's all about. And misunderstood, misused, abused. I think a lot of it is actually in the misunderstood and misused category as opposed to the abused category. Um, and hopefully this the depth of this conversation on something as granular as provisional sums has really helped to shine a spotlight on that so people yeah, don't I, have to misuse it. Um, I, I, because I hope most, it helps people. Want to. Yeah, I hope yeah, it I helps people. That's, that's why I wrote the paper, and I'm really pleased. It's now been picked up by the Construction Industry Collective Voice in Scotland, who's an industry-wide pan-industry body up there trying to improve the industry. They've now added it to uh, their website as the useful information as part as a bolt-on to the best practice guide that they wrote, which is about trying to improve the industry. And... Um, it's actually going to be published in an industry trade magazine shortly as well. So people are picking up on it, which is great. And I, and I wrote it just to help people and just to put it out there. Uh, you know, Not because you enjoy talking about provisional sums at all, though. No, because it is this mic- <laughs> no, because it's a microcosm of, of the problems in the industry. You know, 100%. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. As, as mentioned, guys, I will be putting all the details in the link. Uh, in the episode description even Richard thank you for your time mate I'm sure we will do this again sometime absolutely we will yeah same time next week <laughs> not on provisional sums though <laughs> provisional sums part two God, I think we've done that cut <laughs> right thanks everyone right, I will speak to you as always next week take it easy Richard lovely thank you cheers Paul